Who is thankful to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Amen. We, uh, David, thank you so much, man, for being so open and sharing your heart and just being led by the Holy Spirit. Um, Daniel, talk, uh, David talking about uh, giving and giving out of sacrifice, and we today actually want to do something. Um, are you ready to give twice this Sunday morning? Oh, my gosh. Are we ready to give twice this Sunday morning? Yes! Amen! Conference is soon approaching, and we want to do a special offering this morning for our conference. We want to do a special offering for our conference. Um, a little over 15 years now that we've been doing these youth conferences, and they continue to grow every year, and if we can be honest, there was temptation in years, maybe in the earlier years, to uh, make the conference uh, cost a little, and put a fee on it and have people that come, you know, pay $20, $30, what's, you know, that's not much, but when a large amount of people come, it really helps us cover the expenses of our conference. And we would get this, we actually would, uh, surprise people uh, a lot, especially when they would visit our conference and see the amount of people that were here. How in the world is this free? And why don't you guys charge for this? Um, people will still come. But we had to obey uh, what God put on our heart from the beginning, is that no matter what it, was, what, what it would cost us, that it would be free. It'd be free and it'd be available for any single person to come and be here. And so we continue plus 15 years, we continue to do that, and we make this free. But here as members of this church, and this being our house, and we're the ones that host, it does cost us something. And it is worth every penny that it costs us for the sake of even one person that gets touched by God and, and their life is changed. There is no value on that. Um, I wanna encourage us, before we give today, and we're going to pray right now. Alex, I want you to come here, Alex. You're going to pray for conference. Come here, my friend. Yeah, right now. Yeah, right now. Don't be afraid. Grab that mic. Our young lion. Grab that mic. Jump on stage. I want to, sh I want to say a few things. You know, when Jesus was standing across from the treasury in the temple and he saw a woman that came up to the treasury and she put two denarii, is that what it is? Two denarii into the treasury. Before her come all kinds of individuals placing much larger amounts. And in the eyes of God, it's mind-blowing that though her amount, her value, humanly speaking, was less, she gave more. The reason she gave more is because it actually cost her something. And the ones that gave previously, it didn't cost them much because they were giving out of the abundance that they had. This showed her faith in God, her dependency on God, and God valued her offering as a sacrifice. The, the offering that we give that costs us something, only if it costs us something can it be defined as a sacrifice. Because she gave and it was a sacrifice for her, imagine leaving the church, and some of us have been in this position before, when God urges you to give and you walk out of the church with nothing. We even have testimonies in our church of people who give, God just, I don't know why God does this, just you know, take it up with him. 
He asks people to give sometimes the last of what they have. They don't have gas money to fill up their car when they're leaving church, let alone buy some lunch. And God supernaturally begins to provide for those people. I'm not sharing this testimony to tell you give everything you have because God's going to supernaturally bless you and that's the whole point. The point is when God speaks to you and asks for a sacrifice, it's worth every moment to give him that sacrifice and trust him and watch what he's going to do. It's not my words, that's his words. He sees what we give and if it's a sacrifice. And I want to ask us tonight whether you're a teenager, whether you're, whether you're an elder, whether you just gave everything and you don't have much else to give. If we would this morning give a sacrifice towards this conference and believe that God is going to do mighty, mighty things that only he can do, but we're going to be a part of it. Amen? Come on, let's stand together. If our ushers can come forward, we're going to pray right now. Alex, please, let's, let's pray for conference. God, we just pray right now for every single young person, God, that's going to come into our house, God. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for this opportunity that you've given us to host your presence, God. And right now, we just pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that you would just meet us there, God. Within the couple of weeks that it's coming up, every single family that is going through something, every single person struggling with depression, suicide, God, every single guest that is coming into our house, God, we just pray for your presence just to come, God. And you do what you do best, Jesus. You set those captives free, God. We are expecting from you, God. We're not expecting from just our team, God. God. We're not expecting from a speaker. Holy Spirit, we're expecting for you to come and just give life. Resurrect the people, God, that have just been going through a season of death, of doubt, God, over this last year. All the lies that the enemy has been putting in their hearts, God. We just pray that we can be that city, God. Put on a high hill, being bright, God, for all to come and see your light, Jesus. For all to come and get their fill, God. In the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for our church, God, that is so sacrificial, God, that gives God whenever you give us every single opportunity God and we just thank you that we get these privileges God to represent your kingdom here on earth God we worship you God and we thank you amen 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 as the offering buckets are going to be passed around you can be seated please uh, we're so thankful that you're here if you're visiting or not if this is your first time or you are a member here we're so thankful that you're here and I just ask you that you would open your heart um, to hear, to hear from God. And I am bold to say that because when we get into God's word, we give him the opportunity to speak to us. Every time we open God's word, we give him the opportunity to speak to us. And so I'm not saying that I'm God and I'm gonna speak to you, but I'm saying when we talk about God's word, he is totally capable through my little self and this cute microphone to begin to speak to you. God is able to speak to you right where you are. He, he, it doesn't matter who's up here, God is able to speak to you. As soon as we open his word up, he's able to speak to you. Every time we open our ears and there's a desire in our heart, a need in our heart to hear him, he is able to speak to us. I'm gonna stay here before I go on. God this morning wants to speak to you. God this morning wants to speak to you through his Holy Spirit. This is not just another Sunday. This is a new day that the Lord has made and his mercy has been renewed this morning. He has given us this day and every day he gives us is the day that he made. So if God made this day, God desires today to speak to you. This is not just another Sunday. This is not just another service. Today, tell your neighbor, God wants to speak to you. Tell your other neighbor with some faith, God wants to speak to you today.
John chapter 2. John chapter 2 from verse 13. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. Can you imagine this? He drove out the sheep and cattle, scattered the money changers, the money changers' coins over the floor and turned over their tables. Then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures, passion for God's house will consume me. But the Jewish leaders demanded, what are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. All right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. What, they exclaimed, and we would say the same thing, what, they exclaimed, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you can rebuild it in three days. But when Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed both the scriptures and what Jesus said. Before we actually get to Jesus going into the temple and driving out all these animals and the people that are selling these animals and buying these animals, the people that are exchanging money for people, verse 13 says that it was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. This is really important because if we go back into the, into the Old Testament and we think about what actually happened during Passover, I'm just gonna maybe retell the story in my own little short way so that we don't have to go there and look through, 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 through the book of Exodus. But when Jesus, when Jesus says, it says that he is nearly, he's now approaching Jerusalem and it is the time of Passover. Now Israel, God's chosen people set free from slavery. This is the account in the Old Testament where Israel is under the captivity of Egypt. Everybody remember this story? We love to tell this story in Kingdom Kids. We have a ton of movies about this. Jacob, with his sons, because of Joseph, move into the area of Egypt, and they begin to multiply rapidly as they live there. They grow so much that they actually out, begin to outgrow Egypt. But when a new pharaoh comes into power, he puts all of God's people under very, very harsh, harsh slavery. And he enslaves them, and under the power of Pharaoh, Israel is now in Egypt. Now, we all know this story really well. But I want to remind you that there was a man, Moses, who grew up in Egypt but then ran out to the wilderness and God meets him in the wilderness. God, in fact, encounters him and begins to speak to him about the plans that he has for his people and he's going to use this man, Moses. When Moses goes to Egypt, God tells him, I'm going to be with you and when you go to Pharaoh, I want you to demand, not to ask, I want you to demand to let my people go. 
And Moses comes, this, this, this now older, per, older man that's been in the wilderness for 40 years is now coming back to Egypt where he grew up. He's coming into Pharaoh's court and he's now a, really a nobody in Egypt, but now demanding Pharaoh, the man who was arguably one of the greatest and strongest men in the world, he's demanding from this man that he let the people of Israel go into the wilderness to worship their God. Now, what do you think Pharaoh said? Please, please, and don't bother coming back. These are his slaves. These are his workers. This is his income. This is the way he's building the city. This is his future. This is what he's preparing for Egypt through these slaves, the Israelites. And of course, he says no. Why he says no, the book of Romans explains. But when he says no, God promises Moses that when he says no, I will begin to use you to show my power to, the, to, this, to this man, Pharaoh. And I'm gonna show him my power by bringing plagues over Egypt that will touch the people of Egypt but not touch my people. And he gives them one plague and the second plague and the third plague. And when we get to the 10th plague, this is the most scariest one. Some argue whether this was an angel or some kind of spirit. The Bible just says that, a, that a, a, an angel of death, or if you look up in the original and you really care about that, it says the destroyer. The point is, some homie pulled up in Egypt at night and began to kill the babies of the firstborn everywhere in Egypt. Animals, kids, it doesn't matter. Who this was, what he looked like, it doesn't matter. The point is, God sent, an, God sent this destroyer that began to take the life of every firstborn in Egypt. And Israel was not excluded. But God gave an alternative to Egypt that they would not encounter the loss of their firstborn. And he said this, every father of every house must take a one-year-old blameless young lamb and on the 14th day must slay this lamb and take the blood of this lamb and, and, and spread it over the doorpost and over the sides of the doorpost of their home. And that night when the destroyer comes to take the life of every firstborn, when he, is, when he is met by your doorpost and the blood that is on it, he will pass over. And so the celebration for Israelites, one of the greatest celebrations through the year for every Jewish person that they continue to celebrate till this day is Passover. Named over the fact that there was a night when the destroyer came, but it passed over their homes because they had blood over and on the side of their doorposts. Are you here? Jesus is walking to the temple in the time of the Passover. The Passover celebration is soon approaching and Jesus is coming to Jerusalem because that's where the men would gather for this celebration. Now this is, this is very, very important. Imagine that night in Egypt. God's done nine things and they've all come to pass. This is not just, you know, he, God's not messing around. God said he's gonna set his people free from the place of Egypt through this individual Moses. So God's not messing around. And imagine one miracle, two miracles. Maybe the sec after the second miracle, they thought Moses was playing. Moses is a joke. He, some of these things that even, the, even Pharaoh's magicians can do, this, is, this can't be God. Then the third, then the fourth. And I think the third or the fourth, the, the, the magicians of the Pharisee, Pharaohs, were, the Pharaoh were not able to do what Moses was doing now through the power of God. 
And then the fifth, and the sixth, and the seventh, and everyone is watching in Egypt how this God of Israel is destroying their land day by day. And what took years and centuries to build in Egypt is now being consumed and destroyed in a matter of weeks. And it gets to number 10. And you can imagine, you can imagine what people are thinking in Egypt, what they're going through in this moment, how, how Egypt has already suffered loss from their animals, their livestock, their food, their supply. They're, some of them are still recovering from the gnats. Some of them are still recovering from the sores all over their body. And now on top of that, God says, this night, I'm going to take your first son. But imagine one plague after another plague after another leading to this plague and the blood of a lamb is able to stop the destroyer from coming into their homes and taking the firstborn. In other words, the, the, the worst plague, number 10, was enough to be stopped by the blood of a little lamb. The destroyer, you can fantasize and just imagine what this, what this God looked like, how scary he was, or if this was just a big black spirit with horns. But can you imagine, he is, he is hovering in a moment, in one night, over every home. He's entering every home, not nights, in one night, entering every home. How fast he's moving, how powerful he is. But when he would come to a doorpost and he would see the blood of a lamb, he could not enter but had to pass over that house and check the next one. In Leviticus, the Bible says that God set his blood apart for atonement. This is important. He said, I've set my blood apart for atonement. I think Leviticus 16 or 17. I have set blood apart for atonement. Why? Because he's, he begins to explain there is life that is in the blood. There is life that is in the blood. God says, I have put life into the blood that I have created in every person. And when the innocent blood is shared that has life in it, that blood, because it is life, is able to cover the sin of whatever was done wrong. Satanists understand this sometimes more than we do. When they sacrifice blood animals in themselves to make a covenant with the devil, there is power in the blood in the spiritual world. God has set blood apart in the physical and in the spiritual world to be atonement. It is a covenant that is made when we sacrifice the blood. Now, we don't do this anymore, thank God. Imagine a red altar here. Oh, there is power in the blood. The blood carries life. God put life in the blood. And when every man of every household would shed the blood of an innocent lamb and take that blood which carries life and rub it on their doorposts, death had to stop at the door. Some of you don't get it. And I'm okay to stay here. We're going to go pray. The sacrifice of innocent blood was enough to stop the spirit of death from entering a home. Was the blood greater or was the destroyer greater? Somebody shout please to me. 
Was the blood greater or was the destroyer greater? If we memorize anything, this is what we're gonna memorize today. Was the blood greater or the destroyer greater? Was the blood greater or the plague? Was the blood greater or the darkness? Somebody help me out. Was the blood greater or the destroyer? Then if the blood is greater, what is your shame doing standing against it? If the blood is greater, what is your guilt doing standing against it? If the blood is greater, what is your fear and your insecurity doing trying to stand against it? If death could not enter the house, then what are the things in your life doing trying to oppose the blood? How about we go a little bit of deeper? A little bit of deeper. What about Jesus' blood? Oh, Peter said, it's not by lambs or goats that we've been washed by the blood, but the precious blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What about that blood? Can that blood, can anything stand against that blood? Can your guilt and how you're living stand against that blood? Now, if there's sin in your life, that sin needs to come under the blood of Jesus through your repentance. But when it comes under the blood through your repentance, that sin has lost power. Because if death could not enter that house, you better believe no guilt, no shame, no insecurity, no self-righteousness, no best week, no best attitude, no proper, nothing can stand against the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing can stand against the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood, in fact, has given me the right to have access into the presence of God. The blood, in fact, was shed for me for my sins, and the Bible says, I have been made as white as snow. I have been cleared not only on the outside of my sins, but my heart has been made clean. My conscience has been made clean. Uh, from within, I've been set free. That's the power of the blood of Jesus. If the, if the blood of the lamb and goats cleanse me for a year on the outside, the blood of Jesus has not just forgiven me of the sins that I committed this year. The blood of Jesus washed me from every mistake, every bad thought, every evil desire, every wrong intention. The blood of Jesus has set me free. It's the blood that gave me the right. It's the blood that washed me. It's the blood that is my righteousness as a covering. Man, that week that we might run into, and it's so hard, and we run into things, and we come into church, and we are, we are timid to lift our hands. We're timid to even lift our eyes to God and pray. But it's the blood. It's the blood that washed you. And the Bible says in Hebrews that when he shed this blood, he only had to do it one time. He only had to do it one time. And he died the death he died only one time. As now established to be our high priest in heaven, he took the blood, went to the heavenly tabernacle, and presented it to the Father. So in heaven, in eternity, the blood sealed your salvation. The blood sealed your redemption. The blood sealed you being able to be set free. And when it comes from heaven into our life and we call in the name of the Lord, that blood that is in heaven now does not need another sacrifice, now does not need another lamb or goat. That blood begins to be applied to your life. Reinhard Bonnke was asked, our dear brother who's in heaven, was asked one time by a reporter, 
Why is it, Reinhardt, you preach about the blood, but there's still so much sickness in this world? Reinhardt said this is very simple. Because you can work in a soap factory, but still be dirty. We got more soap than we need for everybody in this world. And we still have so many dirty people. The difference, Mr. Reporter, is just like soap needs to be applied, so does the blood. When the blood is applied, you better believe, Mr. Reporter, it begins to work. I've seen the dead raised. I've seen lepers cured. I've seen the blind begin to see. I've seen someone that's broken limb and cannot walk begin to walk. I've seen someone in a wheelchair begin to get up. I've seen somebody with an infirmity all of a sudden be healed. I've seen somebody that's carrying some form of cancer and it falls off their body. I've seen the sinner come to repentance. You better believe there's power in the blood, but the blood, my friend, must be applied. Worship team, run up on stage because you're so excited. I want you to run up on stage. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. That was too long of an introduction. We're just gonna go to the very, very end of my notes. Jesus says, in, this, in John chapter 2, he enters during this time of Passover. And in verse 19, he says, all right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. That's my miraculous sign to you. How can someone destroy, how can someone build something in three days that have t has taken 46 years? for not one individual, but for a team of laborers to build. And then it says, he's not talking about the temple there. He's talking about his body. Today, what we're gonna step into right now with the time that we have left, is I wanna tell you, Jesus said here, when he entered this temple, he drove out every animal that was supposed to be given, sold or bought for sacrifices. He drove out every animal. He drove out every individual that was trying to sell or buy animals for sacrifices. The money changers, where people would come from foreign lands. They had to exchange their money. It was easier this way, so this is what they did. And, and some, some I've, I've heard this preached this way, but this is not entirely right. This is not like in the church setting that this is happening, like the Holy of Holies. This is when it says temple here, the temple also had a huge courtyard where there was a big wall that surrounded this area. And Gentiles could actually walk into this courtyard. There was a separate place for women. And then only priests could go into the outer court of the temple. And of course, only the holy priest could walk into the Holy of Holies or the most holy place. And so in the courtyard of this temple, or, you know, now we, just, now we would say the courtyard of this church, this is what was happening. There was literally, it was literally like a merchant shop. There was, there was money, money changers everywhere because people are coming from foreign lands. They can exchange their money, buy the animal that they need, and take their, have their proper sacrifice for Passover. And the reason they would provide these animals there is because people are traveling long journeys. They're little sheep that they have, you know, say, say it's a poor family and they have one sheep. And they've raised this sheep up that whole year to prepare it for Passover. And there's too great of risk to take it on a long journey. Something happened to it, it gets eaten by a wolf or something, or, or it breaks a leg on the journey, and now it's not proper for sacrifice. And they would have animals in this courtyard that they would give people to have the proper sacrifice for Passover. Jesus comes there, flips the money changers, throws the coins all over the floor, flips these tables, and begins to drive out every buyer and seller and every animal. 
Why has my father's house been turned into a marketplace? In the other three gospels, he goes on to say, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And this is what we're gonna end with and we're gonna do this together right now. If I could just blast through this. The temple was actually Jesus' body that he said would be raised in three days. First Corinthians 3.16, I'm just gonna read it really quick. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? So now, because Jesus, is, Jesus was talking about his body, he was not talking about the building. He said, my body would be the thing that would be sacrificed. It, no more lambs. My body is going to be the sacrifice. That's why he was driving out all the animals. My body is going to be the sacrifice. And through this body, I'm going to establish the church. And it's going to happen in three days. Now I just want to, can I just throw this in there? Can you imagine 2,000 years at least that the devil was planning, 3,000 years, was planning, deceiving, ruining people's lives, bringing death, sin, sickness, and just in three days, God turned it all around. Y'all better believe that God is much stronger, that his blood is much more powerful, that in three days, the work of sin, the work of the devil, the work of sickness was turned around just in a matter of three days. And we think God's not in control. God established his kingdom. God built his church. God gave us the right to be saved, to have eternal life just in three days and the devil didn't know what to do now his body the bible continues to say in second and first corinthians that you and i are that temple that jesus's body he was the head of, he is now the head of this body according to colossians of which we became the members of this body and now it goes on to say that we are now the temple and the holy spirit that was in the holy of holies is now living in you peter says you are like living stones of God's house and, he, and you are being built up into God's spiritual home. So, can I say this? This is not just a house of prayer. You are a house of prayer. You are a house of prayer. And this is what, we, this is what we're gonna do. We're not gonna turn anymore to any kind of other sacrifice in our life. Oh God, I'll give you this, I'll give you this. God began to drive out every lamb every animal and I believe this is what I received I am becoming the sacrifice and I am inviting you to become the sacrifice now back then they would not understand this nobody was willing to nobody was willing to die there at the temple they were giving their animals but Paul says in for uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 12 I urge you brothers and sisters that you would offer your bodies as a living sacrifice because of what Jesus did, I can offer myself now as a living sacrifice. I am not just coming to a house of prayer, I am a house of prayer. I'm not just coming to the presence of God, the presence of God is in my life. I'm not just coming to the sanctuary, there's a sanctuary inside of me. I want you to stand to your feet right now. Your name is Daniel. One of our leaders told me about what you're going through. We're gonna pray right now for, as a church for what, what you shared about. Daniel shared with one of our team members, his daughter, I understand is pregnant, and the baby's not fully developing. Its limbs are not developing, they're not growing. Okay, she's in the one percentile, so it's chances are slim. Okay, well we have the blood of Jesus. Right now, what's your, daughter, what's your, what's your daughter's name? Natasha. 
We're gonna pray for Daniel's daughter, Natasha. He came here specifically to let the church know that if we could pray for this need. And right now we're gonna pray for Natasha. Her baby's not developing, and we're gonna bless that baby right now to begin to develop supernaturally. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, let's begin to pray. Come on, church, lift your voice. Don't wait for me to pray. Lift your voice right now for Natasha. We pray as the church for Natasha. We thank you, God, that you, you, gave her, you gave her the miracle of conception and this baby's there. And now we ask you, Lord, as the church, we pray. We declare the blood. We declare the blood of Jesus over Natasha's body. We declare the blood of Jesus over this little baby. We declare the blood of Jesus over her development. Right now, in Jesus' mighty name, let every limb begin to grow. Let every organ begin to grow. Let everything begin to function the way you designed. Right now, we pray that no sickness, no limitation, it doesn't matter what's going on. We declare the blood right now. We declare the blood right now.
We believe, Lord. We believe there is power in your name. Power to save this morning. Power to heal this morning. Power to deliver this morning. And we thank you, Lord, so much. Right now, we want to invite any, any individual, if you're here visiting us or you've been going here, but there's sin in your life that you're still battling with. There's sin in your life that you're still struggling with. There's addictions that you can't break. Maybe you feel like there's something that's just hovering over your life or trailing behind you no matter what you do. The blood of Jesus is your answer. The blood of Jesus that was shed for your sins is the only way that it, that it can pass over whatever's trying to happen in your life. So I want to invite you this morning. I understand. I understand there's a young man here. He was invited by some of our people who testified to him. And he actually showed up. I don't know where you're at. But if you came, and I, someone told me you came. If you came, that means you're, you're looking for God. You're searching. And I want to invite you to the front. If you've tested out different religions or different gods, I want to tell you we serve a living God who we don't just have on our shelf. We don't just have in some kind of room, in a room, special room in our house. He is the God who, who cannot fit in any temple. He's the God of heaven and earth. He sent his son for your sins. And he's not just offering you a way of religion. He's offering you a way of life. He's able to transform you and make you a new person. And so if you've been looking for God and you're here, I want you to come to the front because he's the one who can actually meet you where you are and bring transformation into your life. We invite you, if you need to give your life over to the Lord, we're gonna be praying for you. I also want to invite you, if there is sickness in your body, whatever it might be, big or small, if you've been really recently diagnosed with somebody, or you want to come forward interceding for somebody, I want you to come forward. We're going to pray for you. We're going to believe that the blood of Jesus applied over you is going to bring healing in Jesus' mighty name. As a church, we're going to begin to pray. When you come forward, we're going to lift our voice and intercede for you that God would give you a miracle today in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's begin to worship. Yeah. 